I believe we left off on um, verse 41 and breaking down the end of uh, Peter's statement here concerning the events of the day of Pentecost. Uh, but pick it up at verse 41 and we're going to read uh, to the end of the chapter in verse 47. And it says there, uh, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they uh, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and uh, parted them to all men, uh, as every man had need. And they, uh, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Send it again. Just send it, and do you have the you have the option to just do that in black and white, right? Uh huh. We make sure you do that, and I think it'll go okay. Sorry. Oh, it's in color. Yep. Okay. Black and white. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so hopefully it works <laughs> this time. We're gonna get your notes eventually. <laughs> um, and so. Uh, I lost my train of thought there. Okay, we see from uh, verses 41 through 47, again, the uh, closing out of this statement from Peter and uh, understanding uh, where the church started as far as adding uh, members to uh, the group. And and we'll uh, wrap it up here. I don't know that we'll get through the whole thing today, but we'll, we'll give it our best shot uh, to finish out the chapter. But let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we're grateful uh, for this day and grateful for the opportunity again to be back together. Uh, grateful for uh, just the way that you've brought us through uh, last year and into this new year uh, and how you brought us through the week. And we don't uh, take any of those things for granted. It's um, only by your grace that we're able to uh, continue on as we do. And so we're, we're grateful for that. We pray for all of those that uh, might be sick or ill uh, at this time, and we pray that they would get better and uh, that we'd be able to be uh, complete and whole as a, a local body here uh, in the near future. Uh, we uh, just pray for this study today as well, and as we continue through it, that uh, we'd be able to uh, glean those things that you desire for us to know, and that the Holy Spirit would uh, cause them to be impactful in our uh, walk as we uh, seek to be more uh, better representatives of you. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, and so I believe if you have uh, the the notes there from the former <laughs> page 23, I believe we're on uh, point B there where, where it says uh, 3,000 souls were added. And so we kind of left off on uh, verse 41 and, and finishing with that. And so as the message goes out from Paul, or Peter, <laughs> you, 
you see that uh, there were obviously more than the 3,000 that were there, uh, but these 3,000 individuals were added uh, to the church and added to those apostles that had carried over from Christ's earthly ministry. And remember there at the beginning, we talked about the fact that you had not just the 11 and then one added with Matthias that Peter uh, saw fit to add to the, the collective there. But then you had uh, other ones that were there with them uh, that carried over from Christ's earthly ministry as well. And so these were added, uh, these 3,000, to that collective there. And so souls uh, is an interesting use as you think about it. You don't normally see uh, souls used uh, when we're talking about persons in this way. Uh, yes, it's not coming through. Uh, that's weird. Huh. It says that it's waiting. Documents waiting. Not sure that the connection is <laughs> happening back there. Huh. It says printing. Not sure what's going on there. I will see if it works its way out. Um, so this idea of souls here is uh, our word that's used suke for souls. And it has the idea when it's used in this way of, of individuals and it can be used to express uh, persons. But I still think even in that way when it's used, uh, you wouldn't use this uh, idea of souls when you're speaking of God, right? Because God does not have a soul. This is of individuals that have uh, this expressibility of living uh, with human emotions. And so souls is used in a generic manner to express living individuals that pertain to their senses. And so uh, all of these individuals are uh, expressed in that way. It's very interesting use on the other side of uh, the day of Pentecost and all of these events that occurred there uh, that we talked about earlier. Remember how the expression of the senses was really used in the coming of the Holy Spirit and that you could see something visually, you could hear something, they felt something, and so all of their senses were involved in the coming of the Holy Spirit. Is it? Oh, again? Okay. <laughs> we're going to get this right eventually. It says two documents are waiting, uh, Brother Carl. Well, they they weren't lining up, so we tried to print it again here, but it doesn't seem to be working for some reason. Um, and so uh, we see that in verses 42 through 47, we see the church uh, mentioned after his coming. And so we're going to close out with the, the last five verses of the chapter. And so you see the immediate action of those that were converted in verse 42. And so after this uh, conversion of these 3000, uh, it's interesting when you see people saved in a lot of churches today, there's immediate actions that come after that, right? You got to put them to work doing this or you got to do that. Um, and, and it's not um, 
do, do we know that these things are always led by the Spirit and what people are desiring for people to do? Well, here we see what the Holy Spirit desired for these individuals to do right after that they were saved. In verse 42, and it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And so you see four things outlined that these individuals were doing. Uh, and you see it expressed here. They were continuing something that was perpetually happening. This was their habit of life and how they were living, living. And so that word were indicates the perpetual state of existence after salvation in past time. And so it looks back. It's almost like if you were to be able to have a movie that went back in time, this is what they were doing continually in, in past time. Uh, and so this idea of continuing comes from our word proscor, proscart erontis, which indicates the present action in conjunction with the preceding noun. In combination, it provides a present action in past time that followed the conversion of those that believed. And so uh, you see this idea of what they were continually doing. And I want to just hit on a couple other verses where we see this word used uh, just to, to give a flavor of how, how it's used in other places. But go back with me to chapter 1 and verse 14. And we see this idea of continuing right after Christ's ascension. And so uh, pick it up there in verse 13, actually. Oh, verse 12. And it says, uh, Then returned they, speaking of the apostles, unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up to, into the upper room, where abode uh, both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, son of Alphaeus and Simon, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. <coughs> Can you give me some water, Pop? Um, <coughs> These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, mother of Jesus, uh, with the brethren. Thank you. And so you see this uh, idea of them continuing together in one accord in prayer and supplication. What can I get my, my voice together back there? Um, and so this idea of continuing is seen there. And then over in uh, Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, we see this used to describe the actions of the apostles. After they place de uh, deacons to minister. And so go with me over there. Acts chapter 6. <coughs> and 
and pick it up in verse 1. And it says there, And in those days when the disciples, <coughs> excuse me, the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their, wid their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Uh, then twelve, the twelve called the multitude of the, the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason uh, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, as you, as you look at this, uh, it could be thought of uh, from people that, hey, are they talking and, and looking down on this fact that these people are, are doing menial kind of tasks? But what they're doing is actually separating out the teaching of the word and the service or ministry to others. In verse 3, it says, Wherefore, uh, brethren, uh, brethren, look ye out among you seven honest men, uh, or seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, uh, <clears throat> whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word of God. And so this idea of continually there is the action that they would be perpetually doing. And we see that there. Now over in Acts chapter 8 and verse 13, we see this used to describe the action of Simon after being converted by Philip. <coughs> Acts chapter 8 and verse 13 And we'll pick this one up at verse 11. Uh, go back just a little bit further to verse 9. And it says there, But there was a certain man called Simon, uh, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they uh, all gave heed uh, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him uh, they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them uh, with sorceries. But when they believed, or when, uh, when they believed, Philip uh, preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the, <coughs> excuse me, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, uh, beholding miracles and signs which were done. And so again, you see this idea of uh, uh, continuing in action. Now the last use of, of which we want to look at is over in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. We won't go to both of them. Uh, you also see it in Colossians 4 and verse 2, something similar. Uh, but this is used to describe the action of prayer uh, for a believer properly experiencing the connect connectedness or unity to Christ. And so over in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12.
and as you're you're thinking of this um, this context, you see all of these participles, and we we kind of talk about a similar thing over in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter five, where you see these participles that explain uh, actions that um, connect with someone who's in the proper place spiritually. But go back just a little bit and pick it up at verse nine. He says, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Uh, And so here you see this idea of, again, continuing in an action and here related to prayer. And so one of these, we see that uh, the apostles, or excuse me, the uh, uh, converts of the day of Pentecost were doing as well, continuing in prayer. And so as we go back there to chapter two of Acts, (coughs) we see this expression of of continuing prayer. And these four actions uh, was something that they were doing upon conversion. And so what are those four actions? Again, they were uh, they were continuing steadfastly uh, in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. And so uh, they were following the teachings that they were given by these apostles that were alongside of the Lord. And then they were uh, fellowshipping together with one another and breaking bread. This was eating or sitting down at dinner with one another. And so uh, we do that once a month at least. And and that's something that's continued on. Uh, But you see that here. Uh, Now, before we go on to these other uh, four things that they were doing, we do want to look at this idea of continuing again. Uh, Thayer's calls it to give uh, constant attention uh, to a thing. In uh, in my definition, <coughs> excuse me. You see, this comes from the verb, <coughs> the verb derived from the Greek word um, kratos, and th- this will be familiar to uh, uh, John back there. <laughs> I think that's the name of his company. In, in, in composition with the preposition pros, it gives the idea uh, or arises of endurance of a mental direction of energy uh, to an action or event. And these were uh, pouring themselves into uh, daily what they were doing. And so we see the, the culminative effect of uh, the word there. And so uh, <clears throat> these four, four areas of uh, the attention that they were directing in top of page 24, I don't know if you guys have that page yet. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So the uh, doctrine of the apostles was the first thing that they were continuing in. As the word for doctrine comes from our word, uh, did I K. And so you have two words that are... are <coughs> are translated uh, with regard to teaching. 
And this one, Did I K, is the teaching of information for living provided to the apostles via the Old Testament scripture. Thank you. And we see that the life oops, and information provided from Christ in the informing of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, the doctrine did not belong to the apostles, but came from them as a source or as to source, having been given through the, their learning and experiences. And so as you think of their doctrine and what they were teaching, they were able to put together the Old Testament scriptures that they had learned over time, as well as their experiences that they had together with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so this made a powerful combination for which they could teach information to these uh, hearers. Um, and then point three, we see that the difference in doctrine. The early church's doctrine was limited to what was revealed to the apostles at the time. Uh, and so remember that the mysteries had not yet been revealed. There was uh, not the information that you or I have today, and this was not what they were teaching. Um, the early apostles also did not yet completely understand uh, in Christ's truth and more uh, doctrine for living would be revealed over time. And so it was more limited than what you or I have uh, today. And so you see this uh, doctrine was one element that they were continuing in. The second element was the fellowship. And so as you look to... Um, this idea of fellowship, the early church understood what it meant uh, to share in common. Uh, we use this term uh, uh, very uh, once a month at least as we're talking about having our fellowship dinner, right? And what does that mean? We're sitting down at meat together and eating together and sharing things in common. And we have this common belief in Christ uh, that we're sharing. The sharing in common of the early church was both physical and spiritual. As they shared all things in common spiritually that they believed, and yet they also shared physically those things that they possessed. And we're going to see this develop a little bit more uh, throughout the book of Acts. Um, now, they shared uh, both their possessions and they shared their faith uh, uh, for salvation, baptism, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and uh, desired mutual <coughs> encouragement. Then the third element we see is this breaking of bread. And this signifies the eating of meals together. And it signifies also the unity of the early church and that they dine together as a custom. And so as you're living around each other and communing with one another, it's easy to to eat uh, bread together. And you see that here. And then the final element, the worshiping. And we see worship as this umbrella term that's used for prayer, and it's often translated just that, uh, prayer. But the early church prayed together uh, customarily, and we see this in many different places. Now, we already saw it over in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 with regard to the deacons. But go with me over to Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Bless you.
Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. <coughs> and we see it used here. Um, as the believers prayed together on behalf of Peter after he was in prison. And pick it up in verse 1. And it says there, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw this pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Uh, then were the days of unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four uh, uh, Cortinians of soldiers uh, to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And so uh, you see these believers gathering together and praying on behalf of Peter. And this is not unlike, obviously, what we do today. We meet once a week together to pray together on behalf of needs of other people. Uh, we also see over in Acts chapter 16 and verse 13 that Paul prayed together with Lydia and, the, and her company uh, upon their conversion. Acts chapter 16 and verse 13. And pick this one up in verse 11. And he says, therefore, uh, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to uh, Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is a chief city of the part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out uh, of the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women uh, with resort thither, or which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. <laughs> Whom, uh, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged us faithful, or excuse me, since you have judged me faithful uh, to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she uh, constrained us. <coughs> And it came, uh, or excuse me, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her uh, master as much gain by soothsaying. And so you see, um, prayer was being given before she was converted, uh, but you see she continued uh, in prayer after the fact as well. Now, verse 43 of Acts chapter 2, we see the emotional state of the converts and how they were uh, abiding after the fact. Uh, 
And it says, And fear uh, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. <clears throat> and so uh, the backdrop here is, remember, uh, Peter is, is putting on these people the responsibility uh, for having crucified the Lord. And they believed as a result of that. But I think more the things that they saw after the fact that these guys were able to do that validated the fact that they came uh, from from God is is that view here. And so in verse 43, we see that uh, this is this state of mind is contrasted with the uh, immediate reactions of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so <clears throat> what were their reactions initially? <clears throat> these people were amazed and marveled. Go back with me to verse 7. And it says, Now uh, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And so, see the Holy Spirit coming left them in amazement and wonder, wonderment. In verse 12 and 13, we see that they were amazed and doubted and some even mocked. Uh, verse 12, it says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What means uh, meaneth this? Others mocking, saying these men are full of new wine. And so we see that there. Uh, and then in verse 37, we see the reaction that they were uh, some of them were pricked to the heart. And this is after uh, Peter is given information further, telling them, hey, you are responsible uh, for this killing of the Lord. And uh, this thing was prophesied that it was going to happen. And so in verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And so what is the result uh, after their conversion and seeing these signs and miracles that are done uh, by Peter and the other apostles? They became fearful. Now, this fear uh, is of reverence uh, to an understood greater entity. And so it's not that uh, necessarily you're scared that someone's going to uh, strike you down this fire and brimstone idea, but it's more of a. Uh, signifying of a respect for the powerful potential displayed by the apostles through the Holy Spirit as opposed to the fear and harm uh, of punishment. And this word uh, for soul is also used again here. This fear fell upon every soul. And so the effect here is of the realization of God's work through the Holy Spirit upon the people uh, to susceptible emotions. And so uh, what is your reaction when you see God working and doing something powerful through these individuals? Well, it's to show a reverential uh, 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 deference to God uh, through these apostles. And this is stated concerning the individuals, but applies to their emotional uh, impact. And the last piece of that is that the uh, impetus for fear or what causes fear. Uh, we see that the subsequent Displays of the apostles after the conversions uh, being seen in uh, wonders, which are miracles accomplished by the apostles that were designed to get in, get the attention of individuals and cause uh, the response of inability to explain. And so it's something that's awe-inspiring. 
you look at it and it's done and you say, man, a, a normal man couldn't do this. And, and that's just what it's designed to do. Uh, signs were miracles done by the apostles that pointed to the fact that it originated from God and God alone. And so uh, from both of these, we see that the apostles were uh, intermediate agents between God and those experiencing or viewing uh, these miracles that were produced. Now, I think I'm going to leave off there and we're going to come back next week and look at verses 44 uh, through 47. Uh, and we see the custom of the uh, those that were converted in verses 44 through 47. And we'll close out the chapter there uh, and then pick up back uh, in chapter three um, thereafter. Uh, but we should be able to get you guys uh, several notes after this and we won't have to print them off <laughs> week to week. Um, I've made some good progress on it.